Rose, liquid courage, uh, <laughs> uh, she fucking runs out after this family and is like, pulls a boss move and says, no, my husband owns yes. this ranch and we want you to have a Hey, it's Monica and Cheyenne. And you're listening to The Uncensored Review. episode contains talk of sexual assault and suicide. Please listen at your own discretion. Okay, so we watched The Power of the Dog and this is this was a doozy, I think for our first review. I oh my goodness. Maybe went in a little bit over our heads, but <laughs> this movie is brand new. It just came out on Netflix the beginning of the month and it's a western, like a modern western and actually it was based on a semi-autobiographical novel I read, and I thought that that was really interesting. Um, so it was by Thomas Savage, and I think it was written in like the 60s. And the author, Thomas Savage, he actually went to go work on a ranch in Montana. And so that's where like the semi-autobiographical comes from, I guess. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So it's based on that novel, which neither Monica nor I have read. No. <laughs> I did not know it existed. Um, so keep that in mind. We have, we went into this knowing absolutely nothing That's about right. what was going to happen. Like we do for most things. Yes. There's no other way to do it, honestly. <laughs> okay. So it's also about two hours long. So make sure you have at least two hours to watch this movie. And it is also rated R. Um, and then what I thought was really cool is it's directed by a female. We've got a female director, Jane Campion. Yes, Jane Campion. So did you know she wrote and directed the piano and actually won an Oscar in 1983? For the piano? Yeah. Have you ever seen it? Do you know what the piano is? No, I haven't. Do you? Have you seen it? Uh, Yeah, it's a little dark. I, I watched it like as a very young child and it... I don't really remember much about it. Okay. There's a piano, but yeah, it's kind of uh, like it's a little a little dark. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Um, but I mean, it's it's deep, I'm sure. But I was like a very young child when I watched it, and it yeah scared me a little bit. Well, that seems to be her theme. She she seems to go deep and, and yeah. Now dark. that I know that, that's kind of that's interesting. Yeah. Um, also, she's from New Zealand, and although this movie is based in um, Montana. Uh, and I think in 1925, they shot it in New Zealand. Really? Mm -hmm. I was wondering, because there's a few shots where they like kind of zoom up. It's like a drone shot. And I'm like, that's beautiful. And I was yes. wondering, is that really Montana? <laughs> yeah. There's also some really amazing actors in this movie. So Benedict Cumberbatch, obviously. Oh my goodness. Um, I wanted to marry him <laughs> and uh, I would have if he would have accepted. So is it just his accent? Is it, uh, is it his accent? It's everything about him, honestly. I mean, I have <laughs> I have to say that I actually really like the grungier look. Oh my god. I've never really seen him in that kind of a look before he's got like the facial hair and he's a little bit dirtier in this and I'm like dang I know dang Benedict get so, it I love him from uh Sherlock oh okay I've never seen it the BBC one Kirsten Dunst is also in it yeah so that was surprising oh my goodness and and her too yeah again it was so nice to see her in something but did you know that that role was not originally hers who, who was it for it was actually for Elizabeth Moss oh <gasps> 
I like her. Yes, but she had to back out due to scheduling conflicts with Handmaid's Tale. <gasps> okay, well then that's fine. That's fine because she needs to do the Handmaid's Tale. Yes. <laughs> I, I figured you would say that. And but... honestly, like, don't you feel like Kirsten was perfect? For yes. The role? Like, I just feel like I'm not sure who else could have done that. Same. I, I, I think she she played her role beautifully. Yeah, she did. And then Jesse Plemons is in it. Um, yes. I've only seen him in a couple of things, but yeah, I've seen him. I first saw him actually in Black Mirror. He played like a villain okay. and he did really well, which is a complete um, contrast to his role yeah, total in this movie. <laughs> yes. Um, but he, he's a great actor. Uh, he also did not originally have this role. It was, yeah. had like an entirely <laughs> different original cast. Yes. So that was actually his role of George was, uh, given to Paul Dano. I believe I'm pronouncing his last name correctly. Who pa- is that? Yeah. So Paul was in, uh, There Will Be Blood. He played the twins. Um, if you've ever seen that movie, you know who I'm talking about. I can't remember the character name, but. He was phenomenal in that movie as well, um, but he had a backup because he had scheduling conflicts with um, a Batman production that he's in. Batman? Yeah, I can't. I don't know in what capacity. Is there another Batman coming out? <laughs> Bryce is going to be happy. Oh my gosh! Okay, and then it also has Cody Smith McPhee in it, and I have I've never seen him in anything either, but he's really good. Yes, he. Oh my gosh! I was like, wow. Mm-hmm. His acting is like wonderful. I know. Um, now, Cody, I also haven't seen him in anything, but apparently he voices Norman in Paranorman. Oh, and, I've seen that. Yeah. And he was recently in Let Me In, where he played a character by the name of Owen. Um, and I know that that was a popular movie. Is I that guess. a horror movie? I think so, yeah. Okay. I yeah. feel like, uh, yeah. Yeah. And then we also had Frances Conroy. She plays the old lady, which is their mother. That's what they call their mom, the guys. The old lady. I hope my kids never call me that. I mean, come on. But um, you guys, it's a small role, but you'll recognize her from American Horror Story. She plays oh, pretty much in every season. Yeah. Uh, in the first season in the house, the murder house. Oh, she's the maid. She's the maid. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. So uh, it was really cool to see her in that. All right. So when the movie starts, we are in Montana, 1925, and we're introduced to two brothers who are ranchers on this ranch in Montana. (laughs) So we're introduced to Phil, who's played by Benedict Cumberbatch, and then George, who's played by Jesse Plemons. And like I said, they're brothers. Do you want to talk a little bit about the difference between them? Because I feel like this is immediately, like, your attention is immediately drawn to the difference between the two brothers. Yeah, they actually don't even seem like brothers. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, they don't even look alike. No. They don't even look alike. No, we have George, who is very uh, nicely dressed, clean cut shaven, um, very like dapper, mm-hmm. um, and very soft spoken. Um, yeah. And calm you that's one thing yeah very calm you'll see that throughout the entire film he's just always calm and collected whereas phil he's rough and rugged and um dirty dirty (laughs) and gives zero shits of about anybody's feelings and um he's the kanye of the wild wild west yes (laughs) yes yes and you can just tell right from the get-go that phil wants George to be more involved in their farm, in their business. Yeah, well, he kind of has this, like, really strange, I don't know if, I don't know if strange is the right word, but 
you can tell he's very attached to his brother. Yes. Which is interesting given that he's like the, you know, the rougher one that doesn't really care about anything. But yeah, you get the sense right away that he's like very connected to his brother, George, whereas George seems really disconnected, like trying as much as he can to kind of distance himself, maybe. Exactly. Yes. And that's very apparent. And Phil can see it right off the bat. He is not happy about it. Yeah, he just he doesn't get it. I think he's, but they don't really even talk about it. They just kind of tussle a little bit and like, yeah, it's really interesting. Um, and in the beginning too, we get a little like little bits and pieces about their history that we kind of piece together throughout the movie. Right. What do you, what do you think about that? Like what we learn right away. And so we learn about a man named Bronco Henry. And yeah, right. (laughs) I thought it was really cool until we heard, found out more about him. Um, But he basically like took the boys under his wing, taught them how to ride, trained them how to to ranch and and raise cattle and and do all that. Um, But there are definitely some predatory and grooming red flags. Oh, for sure. I got that vibe too. Right Right away. away. Yeah. And uh, it's like the way that Phil talks about him yes and then george just like doesn't really engage in that conversation at all yeah george like will pretend he's he doesn't remember or he just will walk away yeah (laughs) yeah um, it's 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 interesting it's an interesting kind of dynamic that we get introduced to right away right um and then so right away in the beginning of the movie george and phil and then all of their like ranch cow hands they're like herding cattle or something and they're they're going through this town and so they stop for dinner at this like bed and breakfast type place and it's run by a widow rose that's played by kirsten dunce and then her son peter like a a young boy um young adults maybe a teenager um and that's that's who cody smith mcphee plays yes and and peter he is he's everything that ranchers are not so he is very uh quirky artistic uh he creates paper flowers because it reminds him of when his mother used to own a floral shop and very sweet and they're beautiful by the way um and he just he he is who he is and without any excuses and he's really he's a really young man yeah yeah we're not really sure how old he is but young young man yes and he just looks a lot different than the other men in the area at the time yes so then they get to this this bed and breakfast and they sit down for dinner and it's a really awkward situation um rose the um the widow that owns the place she has cooked um a bunch of fried chicken up for these men these cow hands that were coming through and phil you get the sense right away that he's very well respected by these cowhands, I feel like. Did you get that that vibe too? Like Absolutely. Very well. Like he commands the energy in the room. Yes. Um, and he's just, I don't know, from the get-go, he's just kind of being a jerk at this dinner for mm-hmm. no reason. And then Peter, um, Rose's son, helps her out with the dinner. So he's bringing stuff out and um, pouring drinks, things like that. And Phil just decides to start tormenting this kid, this young man, mm-hmm. for no reason. But he's obviously a very easy target, like you said. Yeah. I mean, he looks a lot different. He's very, I think he calls him a sissy a couple of times. Yeah, he is just, like, being so rude to this kid, and nobody's saying anything. Like, the cowhands are laughing, and Peter doesn't say anything. Um, and Rose 
she can't say anything, I think. Right. And they just kind of let it happen and let dinner finish. But, um, like, those roses that he made, and they were, like, set on the table as decoration, and he just burns one right in front of him. I was like, oh, my gosh. I know. I was like, why? What I was freaking punched him in the face. I know. I was like, was that necessary? Yeah. Like, honestly, you have... Just for no reason. And, yeah. like, they like they own the place. Like, you're being so disrespectful. Exactly. So, yeah, that's that's kind of how dinner went. So they get they get done with dinner, and then all of the cowhands go out to the bars. And everyone's just kind of drinking and having a good time, except for George. Yeah, that's definitely not his scene. He doesn't want to be there. And, again, like Cheyenne had said earlier, he is completely trying to distance himself so he says you know what i'm gonna actually go back to the bed and breakfast and i'm gonna pay so he george goes back to the bed and breakfast to pay the tab yeah and he finds rose uh, crying in the kitchen and this just speaks to the man that george is he very calmly goes in and he consoles her and she's upset that phil made fun of her son George, you know, again, consoles her. And at one point, he, he does confront Phil about it. And yeah, again, when he gets home and it's just like, oh, that yeah. was so awkward. Yeah. And Phil's like, he, I don't give a shit. <laughs> and then you see George continue to go back to the bed and breakfast. I thought that was so interesting. He just like hops in the car one day. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. He goes back. There's even a really sweet scene. And I think this is when we first see uh rose's interest in george is when um he goes back to the bed and breakfast and she's in the kitchen and she's a little uh shaken and unnerved because th- she has a rowdy bunch yeah. in the uh, dining area and they're, they're just like drinking and yeah. playing the piano really loud and she hates it she even makes a comment that she hates them drinking oh yeah i hate drinking yes yeah. And so um, Peter, for whatever reason, was not there. I can't quite remember where he was, but George was. And he saw how comfortable she was. So he takes off his jacket, grabs a couple of trays, and he goes out there and serves the patrons. And you know what? That was so sweet. You could see it on her face, how much she appreciated it. Yeah. And he made, he was like, oh, no big deal. I got this. Like, he didn't even think. He just was like, no, picked him up, went out there. And this is interesting because, uh, like, the guests that she had, I think one of them was, like, a doctor or something. And yes. you can tell, like, I think by this interaction that George was a little bit, um, like, like well-known in town. Definitely, yeah. Like, very well-known. Everybody um, quiets down. Yep. And then he explains, I guess, I'm your waiter today. Yeah, I loved that. Yes. That was such a gesture. Mm-hmm. But then he goes back home, and his brother Phil has waited up all night. Yes, because remember, they have this, like, well, Phil has this really strong, like, grip on George. And yes. he just, like, wants him to be around all the time. Yeah. So, yeah, he's pissed. Yeah. Then Phil, he's angry that George is spending so much time. He even goes so far as to call Rose a suicide widow. Yes. yes. I was like, oh, my God. Yes. And I just, I could not understand what his deal was. Then he starts to write a letter. Yes. And he, he writes this letter to their mom who they call an old lady (laughs) (laughs) this kills me um he's asking for her assistance to talk some sense into george yeah so that he he's basically tattling on him yes but what happens cheyenne oh my gosh (laughs) so george like confronts him like about this letter and he's like oh like by the way rose and i got married (laughs) 
she sold her house and she's like, oh yeah, she's moving into the ranch with us. So yeah, so you can imagine yeah. how freaking mad that that made Phil, who does not like this lady, does not like her kid, and doesn't like really want George to have anybody else's attention, you know? Yes. So he's just freaking pissed. Um, so yeah, Rose comes to live at the ranch with them. Um, Peter doesn't come right away though. He stays behind for school. So it's just Rose at first, but even though it's just Rose, like it makes Phil so angry and you can just tell it's so uncomfortable between the two of them. Like you could come to tension with a knife, like they're not getting along. And Phil is just so freaking mean to her. Any chance that he gets. Yes. And Rose, poor Rose, she does try really hard when she first she gets does. there. She says, oh, brother Phil. And he's like, I'm not your fucking brother. Yeah, like, like you're you're a scammer. He shut that shit down real fast. Yes, like <laughs> he again, he's straightforward and gives zero fucks about who you are. Well, what you just said about him thinking she's a scammer, that's because like the family is very wealthy and yes. this ranch that we're talking about it's not just any ranch it's like a huge mansion that they live in at, um, you know for the times it's a big house yeah you know? um and he thinks you know that this widow is just trying to get some of their money right so that on top of the fact that she's taking away george from him i think is just like a reason for him to blame her for something right so it's just ridiculous but oh my gosh Let's talk about the piano incident. Because, oh, gosh. Um, the governor and his wife are going to come to the house for a dinner party um, to kind of celebrate the marriage of George and Rose. Uh, another reason we, you know, we find out that he's a little bit more, you know, prestigious, well-known in the town mm -hmm. um, for the governor to come, you know, exactly. for dinner. So the governor and his wife, as well as George and Phil's parents, are going to come for dinner. And George buys Rose a piano. Wasn't that sweet? He's like totally so supporting her. And it was like a really nice piano because um, at her restaurant before she sold it, her her home, there was a piano there because she used to be like, what was it? She played in like the orchestra, like the yeah, she for did, cinema. Yeah, cinema. She did something where she played like tunes and stuff. Yeah, so she played tunes. So she kind of knew how to play the piano, but like not very well. She's like, oh, you know, and she really kind of protests him buying her this piano but he's like he makes a comment like well maybe you can play you know when they come for dinner so she's like freaking out now yeah but they have the piano the piano gets delivered and so she kind of just kind of starts to play starts to get used to the keys again because she's like thinking oh my gosh I'm gonna have to play in front of people my husband expects me to you know be this amazing piano player I think she thinks right so she um she's just not really comfortable with the purchase but she's no. trying and she plays and then freaking Phil so she's playing the same song like over and over again. She keeps screwing up and then like kind of starting over. And then from upstairs, she hears Phil playing the exact same song mm -hmm. on his banjo, just like taunting her. Yes. And I think it's worth mentioning too, before she started playing, she is so self-conscious about her skills that she closes every window, closes every door. She does not want yeah. anyone to hear her. And then Phil comes in, leaves the door open gives zero fucks, goes up to his room, and that's, yeah, he started this intimidation process. Yeah, just, like, kind of playing it back at her, and, I mean, he's he's pretty fucking good. He, he is good. <laughs> he's, he's, you know, yeah. he knows his way around a banjo. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's just so rude, and eventually she just kind of gives up playing the song, and then he continues playing on his banjo and just, like, walks out, and they make 
direct eye contact as he's still playing the song mm-hmm. very well. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's just like this little show off thing mm-hmm. that he does. And it's so freaking awkward. And my heart broke for Rose because I was like, just leave her alone. Yeah. Like at this point, he is going out of his way oh, to yeah. make her life difficult. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. And then this, this dinner party happens and mm-hmm. the governor and his wife are the first people to show up. And it is it's pretty awkward. And they oh, mentioned yeah. like a couple of times that they're kind of excited to see Phil because right now it's just Rose and George in there. And they're, this is when we find out that Phil's actually kind of a genius. Yes. Which, how did you feel about that? Um, I wrote down, he is smart. <laughs> he is smart. <laughs> Question mark. Question mark. <laughs> this guy went to Yale and I mean, the governor wants to talk to him, you know, he's like really excited to have a conversation with him. Um, But Phil was not there. Why why wasn't he there, Monica? He's not there because George told him to wash up and take a shower. (laughs) And he feels so insulted by this that he's like, I'm not fucking coming. Yeah. So he just doesn't freaking show up. Yeah. Um, And then eventually the mom and dad get there and that's a little bit awkward too. And they're sitting down to this like awkward dinner and they ask Rose to play the piano. That's kind of just casually sitting right there. And she, she starts freaking out. Like I think Kirsten Dunst does this scene so well Mm -hmm. um, because you can just like see it on her face, like how awful she feels. She's so anxious. She keeps saying like, oh, like, no, thank you. Like, I'm not very good. Mm -hmm. I wasn't expecting to have to do this, Um, things like that. And so they eventually like get her over to the piano and she sits down and like tries to play, but she only gets a couple keys in and she kind of she kind of chokes and then she turns around and she's like I'm, I'm so sorry like I used to do this all the time at the cinema or whatever and it's just it's so sad but the governor is so nice did you catch that because I like I was like wow yes. I'm very impressed by like how respectful that they were about this whole her not being able to play the piano thing yes I was like first of all I that scene she plays it so well I almost had to fast forward it because I was cringing so hard because I was like oh my goodness like I'm I am feeling for whatever you're in right now um but yeah I was afraid the governor or his wife that they were gonna say something snarky yeah or that they would even like be insulted maybe yeah I don't know but and George he handled it so well too yeah they they really did and but she you know obviously still felt like so awful Mm -hmm. but honestly it would have been fine at that point I think it would have been fine everyone would have been totally fine but this is when Phil decides to show up. Yep, he comes in and did he take a shower? No. <laughs> did he even wash his hands? No. He's dirty. He comes in and he starts small talk with the governor. And he says, you know, oh, you guys have probably had a lot of fun dancing. Mm-hmm. And it gets a little awkward. And he looks right at Rose and just calls her out. He's like, yeah, you didn't play? Like, And it's so obvious, like, right when he walks in. He knows. Yes. He read the room up the second he walked in and he knew she didn't play. He's yes. like, ugh, just being a jerk. He is. And he goes, but you practice all day. Yeah. Earlier, Cheyenne said, she specifically said, I wasn't expecting to play. So that's kind of a way where he called her out. Yeah, and just made her feel bad because she couldn't play. But obviously now they all know that she had worked so hard to be able to play specifically for them. Oh my gosh, it, I just felt so freaking bad for her. Same. And then they, they end up leaving. But as they leave, Phil's there with Rose. And he starts whistling the song that she had been practicing all fucking day. Yeah, this motherfucker whistles throughout the whole movie, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> and also, 
I thought I saw it somewhere. Yes. yes. He didn't know how to whistle. Yes. He had to like <laughs> learn how to whistle like that. And I, I'm like, I couldn't whistle like that either. Yeah. But yeah, his whistle is interesting. Yeah. But this is also, I feel like when we might see Rose kind of start drinking. Yeah. Go on this downward spiral. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would too with the cope with Phil. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh my gosh. You'd have to. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of, you know, that's how it's going. That's how it's going between Phil and Rose. Um, right. It's not great. But now it's summer and Rose goes to get Peter and brings him back to the ranch until school starts again in the fall. He immediately sees how uncomfortable his mom is around Phil and notices he starts clocking her drinking. Yes. Yep. And I guess like for a while, not much changes between like Phil and Rose and Peter. It's just really awkward and you know, it's just uncomfortable. Intimidation continues. Yeah. Yeah. But Monica, can we... (laughs) Can we talk about the rabbit? Oh my gosh. Okay. So, oh my god. Yes. I was like, this is about to turn into a crime junkie episode. <laughs> yes. Peter, he traps, he creates a trap and he traps a rabbit. Because he's intelligent. Yeah. He's so smart. He builds this whole little trap. Yes. And so he gets this buddy. He goes upstairs and shows it to his mom, Rose, who I want to point out is oh. completely plastered midday. Yeah. So, I mean, it's she's not hiding it very well, at least. And so he shows the bunny to his mom. She loves it. And, you know, later on, the maid wants to give the bunny a carrot. Yeah, like the youngest little housekeeper. Yeah. So she goes up to uh, Peter's room and she's like, calling out for the bunny and <laughs> Peter says he's not gonna want it yeah, he's not gonna want it yeah just like so nonchalantly very and then she goes over to his desk and she sees why that bunny is not gonna want the carrot oh no because he has uh cut the bunny open and is dissecting the bunny like very cleanly yes. might I add very well done dissection. yeah <laughs> um it's so awkward yeah but it doesn't phase him at all he's just like mm-hmm. eh, whatever you know like yeah I was like what the fuck and then I was like, oh, you're a serial killer. <laughs> um, but then we find out that yeah. he's just really smart and he wants to go to school to be a surgeon. And this is how he can get hands-on experience. Yeah, he's practicing. I guess better that than humans. I know. But Rose is like, okay, just like not in the house anymore. <laughs> I'm like, what a, what a mom. Yeah. Not a regular mom, a cool mom. <laughs> I'll support oh you. Yes. Um, okay, we also I have to talk to you about the scarf scene. Oh god. Can I talk to you about the scarf scene? Please do. We have to. Okay, so there's this like scene where Phil's on his horse and he's riding past this group of his cow hands that are kind of goofing off in the river. And it's kind of interesting. I feel like they like kind of stop goofing off as much as he's kind of like riding by, but oh definitely again that that like commanding yeah. respect. And he's just kind of watching him as as he rides by, like Ugh. Yeah, you children. <laughs> yes. And so he just keeps he keeps riding and he gets to like a different part of the river where there's this like field and he his shirt is off <laughs> and he pulls this like a very nice looking silk scarf oh yeah his pants yes totally thought it was his ex-lover i'm i guess i'm not well, totally yeah. wrong yeah. and he starts he starts kind of like rubbing this scarf on him in like a very sensual way he has this very like intimate moment with this scarf yeah. and while this is happening peter is exploring near where phil is having this um moment <laughs> and he comes across this door yeah like this is an intimate sanctuary to phil and in comes and it's supposed peter. to be hidden yes it's um, supposed to be hidden. yeah he just kind of 
stumbles upon it. Yes. And Peter comes in and he's crawling through. Like, it's seriously, it's like a passageway. He crawls through and then he's kind of just looking around and he finds a box. Yeah. And on the box are the initials BH. Bronco Henry, guys. Bronco Henry. And speaking of the initials, BH, you see on this scarf, you you see, like, when he's, like, rubbing, like, having this moment with this scarf in the field, you're like, okay, this scarf must mean something. Mm-hmm. And then you get this close-up of a BH on the scarf. That's and you're like, holy shit, it's Bronco Henry's yes. scarf. Yes. And so the, the BH on the scarf, and then there's the BH on the box. And yes, he finds what would be considered gay porn of that time. So yeah, Nick I is so interesting. Yeah. Like the, the statues, like yes. the Greek statues. The Greek statues. Which is so funny because they like notoriously have small penises. Yes. <laughs> Also, some like old timey like photos yeah. of like naked men like from behind. So like it was he definitely knew what it was when he opened it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And um, he probably would have like kept. <laughs> <laughs> he probably would have kept going. Yes, but then he hears a splash in the water, and he doesn't know who is out there with him. So he gets the fuck out of there real fast. But as he's running away to leave, he stumbles upon Phil, who is in the lake, and Phil can just feel... Yeah, he just kind of knows that someone's watching him. Even though Peter's, like, really just trying to get away, I think. (laughs) Yeah. So Phil turns around, sees Peter, and fucking books it after him. Butt-ass naked, he's running after this kid. So angry with him. I was completely convinced that he got caught and was murdered oh yeah i was a little bit worried for him mm-hmm. for a second I, I definitely was yeah so he runs away he does get away though he does he does and then the next scene i want to talk about is i mean i feel like it's where everything freaking changes this is where we get like <laughs> the turning point of the movie most definitely yes so we get this scene where there's like a picnic or something happening um there's like this little pathway and the cow hands are kind of lining it just hanging out talking you know not really working um phil's there he's kind of at the end of the line the beginning of the line i guess i should say and he's sitting there making a rope um they're just hanging out you know and then george and rose and peter show up and ugh, again awkward because they all fucking hate each other <laughs> but this scene is so important the scene is so important i think because it's so important i oh my gosh okay i'm gonna set this up for you set it up, set it up. so peter gets there right and he hears this like noise and he wants to go find out what this noise is it's like sounds like birds or something so he walks to the tree um and this has to event like has to be like the longest walk of your life because this pathway that he's walking on is lined with these cow hands um the tree is at the end of this pathway and as he's walking towards the tree at the end all of these cow hands are like whistling at him and making fun of him and yelling slurs at him and just being so rude. And keep in mind, his mother is watching all of this take yes. place. They're doing it right in front of his mother and right in front of George. Mm-hmm. Um, they do not care at all. And they just watch him walk all the way to the tree. And the interesting thing is, it's almost as if he doesn't hear them at all. No, He doesn't change his face. He doesn't put his head down. He keeps walking with his head held to do what he wanted to do, which was to see the birds in this tree. Mm-hmm. So he gets to the tree, he sees the birds, and as he turns around and walks back, all of the cow hands are just watching him in complete, mm-hmm. I don't even know, like, I disbelief. Yeah, disbelief. Maybe admiration. Like, how can this kid even handle this right now? Yeah. And he walks all the way back down, and it's just pure silence. Yeah. And it's such an, uh, an important part, I think, of the movie. And at this moment, Phil calls Peter over. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm watching this and I'm like, oh my God, what is, is he going to hit him? Like, what is he going to do? And Rose is right there. And ah, 
what, you, what were you thinking? Were you like, did you think he was going to hurt him? Yeah, I thought I thought he was going to call him over and like say like, look, and like fucking threaten him and be like, I, I know what you did. I know where you were. Oh, about his yeah. his like little stash. Yes, and I'm gonna kill you if you <laughs> say anything. Like that's what I thought it was. Um, yeah, but that's not what happened. No, no, because as he's he's making this rope as he's talking to him, and he basically asks him, you know, do you know what I'm doing? Do you know how to do this? And he tells Peter in a very like he's very nice to him. Yes, and Rose is still watching. She's still watching, and like I don't trust you. Mm-hmm. And he tells Peter that he is gonna finish this rope for him so that Peter can take get back to school with him and learn how to do it himself and we're all kind of left to be like what the fuck just happened yeah like is this 180 yeah like is he really being nice or is he tricking him is he like like being condescending somehow yes it's really freaking weird yeah and it's so unclear what his true intentions are at that time it is but I think that I think he was kind of intrigued I think he was intrigued by what just happened and the fact that he kind of controlled the cow hands a little Mm -hmm. bit and kind of made them shut the fuck up without saying anything or doing anything and I think that that really intrigued Phil yeah definitely I just also want to point out yeah the entire time Rose is clocking this conversation oh yeah as any mother would be She's oh very uncomfortable with it all. And I was uncomfortable with it all. Yeah. <laughs> and then we we continue to see her um, kind of like coping with this by, by drinking. Yeah, because what happens is that Phil and Peter start spending like a lot more time together. Yes. And and even though he's being like respectful and he, he actually ends up teaching him things, it still makes Rose really uncomfortable. And she still doesn't trust him. Yeah, Phil actually becomes kind of like a mentor to, yeah, to Peter. Mm-hmm. And they do spend a lot of time together. And they do. I, I think she's questioning his motives. Oh, and, for sure. Yeah. But to kind of cope with that, with that, with something that's kind of out of her control, she starts picking up on her drinking again. Yeah. Yep. So. And it, you kind of see her like hiding bottles, things like that. And then there's that one day where they go to work together. They're kind of pairing off to go do work for the day. And Peter and Phil pair off together. And Rose sees this happening. Oh, and she runs out there and she is pissed. But they've already gone and there is like nothing she can do about it. Exactly. That is just so sad to see her so upset about it. Mm -hmm. Um, But then sometime after like Phil and Peter leave for the day, a family comes like riding through their ranch and they are looking to buy hides. And I think it's important to mention that the hides in question are like laid out over the fence <laughs> right in front of where this family is asking, do you have any hides? Like they're right yeah. there. They clearly have hides. Right. And the maid goes out to tell them, yes. uh, no, we don't. Oh my God. It was so... Oh, yeah. Me. I was like, what the fuck? But I'm also not the only one that was like, what the fuck? Because... <laughs> The maid comes in and Rose is like, well, why did you say that? And she said, because Phil would lose it um, if we sold them because he likes to burn them. Yes. Like he wants to burn them. Yes. And Rose, like any normal person would ask, said, why? Yeah. Like, why the fuck? And like a psychopath, the maid scribes that Phil just wants to burn them so no one else can have them. Nobody else can have them. What a freaking monster. Yeah. So. 
Rose, Liquid Courage, uh, <laughs> uh, she fucking runs out after this family and is like, pulls a boss move and says, no, my husband owns yes. this ranch and we want you to have him. Take yes. Them. It would be like an honor. Please take the hide. Yes. So she fucking sells these hides while Phil is gone. And I think, he, I don't even think they sell them. I think she just gives them away. No, she gets the gloves. Remember? In oh, return? Yeah, yeah. She does get the gloves. They give her a pair of gloves. Yes. And so, yeah. And right away, though, I was like, oh, you fucked up. Yep. But okay, this moment, there's a few moments. When, when things like this are happening with like Rose and, and anybody or like the cowhands are very quiet. Like they are, they don't interfere with what she's doing. And I found that really interesting. It stuck out to me. Yeah. Um, That's really all I had to say about it. But I thought it was worth mentioning that she's like giving away these hides that they know she's not supposed to be giving away. Mm-hmm. And they don't do a damn thing about it. And mm-hmm. I found that very interesting. Yeah. I, I definitely was like, well, she has some power there. Yeah, she does. You know, mm-hmm. whether Phil likes it or not. Uh. <laughs> But eventually, she ends up collapsing right there. The farmhands go and run and get George, and he carries her up to her bedroom where he finds a bottle in her bed. Yeah, that was sad. I felt, And he kind of tries to, like, there's also, like, a housekeeper there. She was like, I'm sorry. Oh, it's just so awkward. And he's probably so worried about her. Yes. And oh again, gosh. during this whole time, he is just loving and calm and cool, oh, collected. Just so sweet. So all this is happening as Phil and Peter are out doing their work for the day. So they have, like, no idea this even happened. And they're, like, laying like a fence down or something like that. And there's this pile of posts that they're using and a bunny runs under it. And Phil starts telling Peter about this game that they used to play when they were kids and bunnies would run under, you know, these pile of posts is they would like, throw the post and see how many posts that they can move before the bunny like makes a run for it. And so that's kind of what he's doing. He's just torturing this poor little bunny. I felt so bad. And you can, there's even like a point where they show it like shaking. Yes. And I was like, oh my gosh. But like one of the posts like falls or something and Phil gets his like hand caught in there and it yeah. kind of like cuts up his hand a little bit. And then the bunny is just kind of hurt now mm-hmm. <laughs> because the post fell on its leg. And Peter so very gently reaches in and just grabs the bunny mm-hmm. and he's just sitting there petting it but they can tell it's hurt and it has like a broken leg and so Phil says we need to put it out of its misery and I don't know if it's like a like a test or like I just get the feeling that he didn't think Peter would do it I don't know yeah I definitely saw it as a test yeah Yeah. and Peter is just like petting this bunny so nicely saying like it's okay it's okay and then all of a sudden Peter just snaps the neck yeah he just snaps the bunny's neck I was like whoa I like we're we were just as shocked I think as Phil was (laughs) yes did you see his face yeah the look on his face I did not think he expected that Mm -hmm. at all I think he expected to have to like teach him a lesson kind of like oh I'll show you how to do it right little does he know he dissects him for fun yeah so he just yeah yeah oh he is really comfortable (laughs) killing bunnies yeah so that was a really interesting point in in the movie too I think is that like the just the the way that Phil is like feeling about Peter the admiration yeah it's like wow this kid is so interesting and maybe he even feels like it's like a match for him like intelligence wise um or even like awkwardness wise you know like he feels like maybe this kid kind of gets him yeah or could get him I don't know yeah I definitely think that was another moment where Peter earned Phil's respect oh for sure for sure and as the day continues they kind of have like a heart to heart you know Phil points out um Peter's mom's drinking as like a struggle that you know he sees Mm -hmm. and then Peter opens 
opens up about his dad dying. Yeah. And we find out that his dad unfortunately committed suicide. And Peter, I mean, he's already young, but Peter is one that found him. And I can't imagine how young he was. Um, but he had to cut him down. Yes, he was the one that found him and cut him down. Oh my gosh. Yes. So this is another in a series of intimate moments that these two share together. Yeah. Um, and I think maybe this is where we're starting to see more of that grooming yes. happening. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And so like when they're done with this little adventure for the day, they come home and Phil like immediately like mm-hmm. he doesn't miss a beat he immediately notices that the hides are gone and he is freaking pissed and the interesting thing is he knows it's rose he knows right away it's rose because yep. he runs to the barn just to make sure they're not in there i think mm-hmm. and he is just cursing her and um isn't it was it peter who said like why would she do something like that yes. and he said because she was drunk Like he's just so angry at her. And Peter's like, are you going to say something to her? I think maybe a little bit nervous that Phil might try and hurt his mom or something. And he's like, no, I'm not going to say anything to her. But George comes in to kind of, I think, calm him down because he knows how mad he's going to be. Right. He's like, oh, she's ill. She's ill. And, you know, Phil doesn't give a crap because he knows it's because of her drinking. and. It's just a really awkward situation. But George, I think at this point, is kind of annoyed Mm -hmm. because he even challenges him a little bit. Like, why do you even freaking care? Like, all you were going to do was burn them. Why do you care? And Phil is just like, I needed them. I needed them. And he's so passionate about it that there's like something about these hides, right? Like, right. Because it's not that he was just going to give them away. Right. And Peter, Peter sees that. And and when we talk about how upset Phil is, this is, um, you know, we've talked about he, how he does not give a fuck about anything. Mm-hmm. But in this scene, he is so emotional. So emotional. Like I actually felt for him. Yes. And I was like, no. <laughs> and that's on Benedict Cumberbatch's good act. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> and he is like he is not just her he is heartbroken yeah he's like freaking out yes and so as phil is having this breakdown peter um realizes that it's because he needed the hide to make the rope yes, yes. he actually was gonna use the hide he was using it to make the rope that he promised to make for peter to make and get finished before he goes back to school and that's why he was so emotional about it because it really meant a lot to him and now they're freaking gone so he can't finish the rope he feels like yes but but there's like a scene earlier after phil teaches peter how to ride like a horse he kind of like rides up into like the hills yeah just like takes like a adventure yeah (laughs) and he stumbles across a cow that had been like attacked by like a coyote something like something like that you can tell it's kind of eaten up a little bit yeah there's like bugs um and we don't ever really find out what happens to this cow but you see him kind of take out a knife and start to cut it Mm -hmm. um so we just figure like i mean i figured i guess he's just dissecting it again um Uh, he's always kind of looking in his study books and things like that peter tells phil i have a hide for you you can use this hide i have and the look on phil's face you guys oh my gosh the look of just complete like it's almost as if it's like the first nice thing that anyone has ever done for phil in his whole life or something he is so emotional about it yes and he like he grips peter's oh, neck yes and brings them in a little bit and it's like i'm going to make this rope for you will you watch me make it for you oh god so that night peter and phil are in the barn peter is just walking around not really helping well um, it's kind of like a romantic scene too it's kind of yeah. like dim yes it's dim it's dark in there and like it, it is very intimate yeah um it's kind of like a candlelit dinner yeah <laughs> ranch style yes 
And we have Phil with his hands in a bucket of water with the cowhide to soften it um, so he can make it into a rope. And Peter, because he's inquisitive, he <laughs> sees the Bronco Henry saddle yeah. and he casually says, you know, we're you guys best friends. Well, he says like, when did you meet him? And yeah. he's like, oh yeah, around your age. So you kind of yes. understand like the age dynamic there too a little bit in that moment. True. But yeah, talk about what he says. So he says, yeah, we were best friends. And then he says, well, more than that. And then, and then Peter and him lock eyes. And then he continues uh, to say that one time they were caught in bad weather. Ooh. And Bronco, Henry, and Phil had to sleep like right next to each other. Yeah, to keep warm. To keep warm. To which Peter says, naked? Yeah. At this point, I think he's he knows. Yes, they definitely. Are, everyone is aware. And they make the, the strongest eye contact. And then Phil kind of like chuckles. He doesn't really answer. No, he he doesn't. just kind of just like. He like makes this like sound like. Yeah. A, you know, and they don't it's really a, talk anymore about it. Yeah. It's this unspoken moment where they're both like, yes. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like we are on the same page here. Yeah. But then, oh my goodness. So Peter, he starts rolling up a cigarette. Oh my gosh, the cigarette. This scene. This is my second favorite scene in the whole movie. Same. <laughs> and in any other circumstance, I would be like, whoa. <laughs> But he starts rolling up a cigarette and all the while staring into Phil's eyes. And then he licks the paper. Oh, yeah. That eye contact is strong. I know. I'm just like, holy shit. He lights it up. And he takes a drag. And remember, because Phil's hands are in a bucket of water, he puts... He can't, he can't, he he can't, can't move his hands. They're busy. Yeah. <laughs> he puts the cigarette. Peter takes a cigarette with in between both his fingers and puts it up to Phil's lips so he can take a drag. Oh my gosh! And this he, scene! Yes! And, and and he does this a couple of times and it's just like the the whole thing. And they're, they're quiet. They they're don't, quiet. There's yeah. no words, guys. Yeah, the dynamic has definitely changed at this point and I think that you see that Peter seems to be the one that holds the power in this little relationship that's happening here and you see like a softer more like submissive side of Phil. Yeah. Whereas Peter is the one that has just taken control and then he did it so quickly. Yeah. And it was, it. you do not expect it. I think Phil definitely underestimated him because this, yeah, that moment, the cigarette moment is like, whoa, yeah. holy crap. At that point, I swear, if Peter wanted the farm, he'd sign it over. <laughs> like, honestly. Yeah. Like, I was like, Again, any under any other circumstances, this would be a great scene. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, the scene just kind of ends there. The night is like just left up to interpretation. But I don't even think what happens after that is important at all because yeah. that's the moment that matters. When yes. we find out that Phil even understands that he is no longer in control of this relationship, I think. So in the morning, no one can find Phil. Yeah, he doesn't come down. Yeah. So, which is not normal. Um, so George goes off to find him and he actually finds him in bed. He's clearly ill and the cut on his hand has gotten worse. It looks like infected. infected. Yeah. So George is like, uh, no, we're we're gonna take you into the doctor. Mm-hmm. And the entire time he's trying to get Phil into the vehicle. Phil is walking around very desperately looking for Peter because they finished the rope last night. And he wants to give to him as promised. Yes. And he can't find him anywhere. I mean, this man is... He's like sick. He's like delusional. Yes. He, he's very ill. And he's yes. just like, Peter, Peter. Yes. Like, Which again, is kind of out of the character for him. Yes. Yeah. To be so like worried and, and wondering where he's at and wanting to give it to him. Yes. Yeah. And so George is like, don't worry about it. I'll make sure he gets it. Let's get you 
to the doctor. Yep. Um, yeah. And and so they leave. They leave to go to the doctor. You see the car driving away. And then the very next scene, you see that George is picking out a coffin because Phil has actually died. <laughs> so <laughs> there's that. They have a funeral at City Hall, um, which, again, they're they're a very well-known, wealthy family. So they have this nice funeral at City Hall, and a lot of people come. And at one point in time, the medical examiner actually, you know, stops George at this funeral to give his respects to the family. He lets him know that they will have the results back from the autopsy in a couple of days. But he says, you know, my guess would be anthrax. And George is like, oh no, like that doesn't make sense because Phil had this kind of rule that he doesn't even handle wild animals. So George is like, nah, you know, like that's not it. But do you want to talk about like the rings? Do you remember the rings? Because I was kind of like a little bit confused, but I feel like I understand the idea. Yeah. The rings at the funeral. This was my interpretation of it. So when Rose first met, you know, her in-laws, I guess, <laughs> um, they were very cold and standoffish. Yeah, and just not very like welcoming, I guess. No. Not really mean, but just like, eh. Yeah. Like they didn't really pay her any mind. And I really feel that it had to do with Phil's feelings towards her. Yeah, her his distaste. Yes. <laughs> and at the funeral, the old lady comes up to Rose and puts several rings into her hand. Yeah, without even like saying anything. Yes, but they make this eye contact that mm-hmm. speaks like, okay, I, you know, you're accepted. Welcome yes. to the family, kind mm-hmm. of. And Rose gets teary-eyed. Mm-hmm. And then you see George talking to their dad. And George says, you know, Rose would really like to have you guys over for Christmas if you can come yes. over. And his dad's like, yeah, we'll be there. Yeah. And this is all happening at the funeral of yes. Phil. And it's it's kind of like, you know, life just kind of moves on. And, yes. and now this kind of maybe like weight is lifted off yes. the family. This yes. like, but Peter doesn't go to the funeral. I thought oh, that was interesting. They don't same. even address it. He kind of stays home. But we do we do see him in his room. And he's reading a quote from the Bible, the the Psalms verse specifically where the title of the movie comes from. And he's reading it out loud. And I, I almost wonder if this isn't his own version of a funeral that he's holding, you know, in oh. his bedroom all by himself. Maybe. Yeah, I, you're deep, Cheyenne, because I didn't think of that. <laughs> yeah, I, he yeah. the reading of the Bible verse. And um, then you see him, you know, put, you know, he's got some gloves on. He's holding the rope. He finally, you know, he got the rope that, that Phil finished for him and he he has it in his possession um which would make Phil very happy and so he puts it under his bed and then he hears Rose and George come back from the funeral so he he goes to the window and this is the last few actual like seconds of the movie you guys Monica take it home all right so he is looking out the window. He sees his mom and George walking up to the house. Yeah. And then George stops Rose. Yes. He kisses her. And you can just feel, again, like we said at the funeral, this weight has yes. lifted off of them. You can just feel their love. Yes. And that is when, oh my gosh, Peter turns around and the slightest little smirk is on his face. Yes. And at this moment, if you didn't already know, now you're piecing it together. Now you're piecing it together because I didn't know. I think that you probably knew a little bit earlier than I did what had actually happened. Yes. But I didn't know until the smirk, the uh-huh. smirk on Peter's face as he turns. And then I remembered the quote in the very beginning of the movie because the movie starts out and I just totally forgot, but it starts out being narrated by Peter. That's right. Who's? It's just a little, little quote, like a little monologue that he has. And he's just saying, 
you know, I, I, I would do anything to make sure my mom is happy. That's all I want to do. Something along those yes. lines. And I was like, holy shit, he fucking killed him. Mm-hmm. He fucking killed him. He did it. To make his mom happy. He manipulated the fuck out of this dominant, rough, rough and tumble, dirty cowboy. Yeah. And oh my God. Yes. Do you want to explain further for anyone that hasn't seen it or is still confused? So if you don't already know, uh, that hide that Peter gave Bill came from that dead cow that he had found on his little adventure that contained anthrax. Yes, because it was all dirty and gross and like half eaten. Yes. When Bill put his hand in the bucket of water with that infected hide and his open wound. That just didn't mix well. And that's what killed him. Yes. And and it wasn't an accident. No. You know that Peter is very smart. He was constantly looking at books and looking at infections and things like that. So it was definitely premeditated murder. Definitely. And Peter was definitely underestimated. Yes. And I think, too, uh, we hear a line from Peter when he first arrives to the home. And he sees how uncomfortable Rose is. And he says, I'll take care of it. Oh, yeah. At one point in time, yeah, she's like about to go inside. But then Phil goes inside. And so she turns around like, oh, my gosh, I'm not going in there. Yeah. And Peter Peter makes note of that. And yes. how uncomfortable his mom is in that moment. And he kind of, yeah, he's like, don't worry about it. <laughs> kind of a thing. What do you think, Monica? Oh, Would right. you recommend this movie? What do you think about it? Okay, guys. So, <laughs> um, so the acting is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Like the I cast agree. is great. Everybody who was recast, I think, deserved to have been cast in the first place. Mm-hmm. It's two hours and eight minutes long. For me, it's too long. And if you want to go to Western, go watch Tombstone. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> Oh my gosh, she's salty. <laughs> but but I will say that um it's not that I, I don't understand why everything was in. I just right. I just two hours felt like five and I can't do that. Can't handle it. Yeah. I also would have loved to have seen just more background information. Like Yeah, you should go read the book, Monica. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um I would have loved to have seen the the moment that George and Phil's uh, relationship kind of broke. Yeah, like what was the breaking point? Yes. Yeah. Um, and was it the fact that Phil idolized Bronco Henry and, and George is like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, or writer. maybe they were both abused by him yeah. and George just, you know, handled that trauma differently too. Yes. And, and understands that like that was messed up. I mean, that they're actually great poster children for trauma. Would I recommend it? Is it overall a good movie? Yes. Would I recommend watching it? No. <laughs> All right. Straight to the point. Um, okay. I do think that it is a little bit slow, but I liked it. I like the themes of like toxic masculinity, uh, dominance, but I do like the story. I think it's a really good story. And I'm now like really interested in Jane Campion's work. And oh, I kind yes. of like, want to know more of what she's done. Cause I just, I think it was really good. I say yes, go for it. And like Monica said, I think the acting is fantastic. Mm -hmm. This is like, this is a good cast. Yeah, the character growth in it is amazing. And and the power dynamics. Yes, the shifting and the, just the moments that you could just like feel. You're like, oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah, my only real issue with it was how fucking long it was. I mean, honestly, (laughs) I can't. I would like to point out, I watched this movie at five in the morning. (laughs) 
Yeah. Don't do that. <laughs> I do not recommend that specifically. No. Well, there you have it. That is our review of The Power of the Dog. If you've seen it, uh, please let us know what you thought. Do you disagree with us? I'd love to know the differences because I did not look this up. If anyone has re read the book and seen the movie, yeah. I would love to know what differences there are between the two and what you liked better. Um, cause I always just find that so fascinating. Uh, but yeah, we will see you next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider rating us and sharing with your friends. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook, both at the uncensored review podcast. And again, that is the uncensored review podcast music produced by Austin Scott with the 701 music production.